I see a portrait of Laura Tingle approaching. And Laura, I'd like you to tell me about the ugly picture that's emerging of Mike Pizzullo. Philip, this this is, a, I've got to say, a really extraordinary story. I can't think of any other senior public servant who's sort of quite gone gone so spectacularly down down the gurgler, shall we say. Um, Michael Pizzullo uh, has been until today the uh, Secretary of the Department of Home Affairs, but he was a much bigger figure than that. I think we've probably spoken about him over the years, uh, you know, as this... Um, incredible intellectual uh, force and um, power figure within sort of the national security establishment, the national security debate. He had very strong views, shall we say, on a wide range of issues. He was very heavily tied up in the border security issues and offshore detention, as well as having a, you know, you know, really always demanding to be heard on strategic issues. Um, a few months ago, you might remember that um, there was this absolutely mortifying series of um, texts leaked between him and Scott Briggs, a figure with long connections with the Liberal Party and a, sort of a lobbyist when um, Michael Pizzullo was in contact with him. And all the uh, texts were all about, you know, making rather bad reflections on various ministers and uh, public service colleagues um, but also lobbying on a whole range of issues. And uh, the statement today from the Public Service Commission um, and uh, um, after a review of, uh, what, what, uh, of all these texts and uh, Mr Pizzullo's conduct uh, says that he used his duty, power, status or authority to seek to gain a benefit or advantage for himself engaged in gossip and disrespectful critique of ministers and public servants, failed to maintain confidentiality of uh, sensitive government information, failed to act apolitically and failed to disclose a conflict of interest. So it's Oh, look, fair game, Laura. Not everybody's perfect. <laughs> I, 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 it is pretty... It is a pretty amazing thing within the sort of uh, confines of the world of Canberra, I've got to say, Philip. So he's been found guilty of breaching the code of conduct on at least fourteen occasions. Yes, pretty amazing stuff. So uh, well, the one I thought, the one of his activities I thought was the most tantalising was the way he'd been agitating for a right winger to be installed as the Home Affairs Minister for the new department. Yeah. So, um, he, uh, I mean, without a doubt, Michael Pizzullo saw himself as a major player in Canberra and he played it pretty hard. But um, I suppose the thing that, if, if I may, Philip, I'm just, I, I, when, when all those texts emerged, the thing that really astonished me was that he was bothering with Scott Briggs, who was the lobbyist. I mean, because he had such amazing connections with everybody in government and politics, including Scott Morrison, who he worked for as Home Affairs Minister, and of course Scott Morrison rose to be Prime Minister. So it wasn't in. It was. I was always a bit perplexed that he felt he had to go through somebody like Scott Briggs, who whose claim to fame was that he knew <laughs> he knew Scott Morrison. How how has Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill responded, uh, Laura? Well, she's she's um, responded. Uh, well, the Prime Minister's technically responded by sacking him, um, and. Uh, and Claire O'Neill's, um, you know, had terminated, had um, suspended him 
um, when these text messages uh, appeared. But one of one of the interesting things I think, Philip, is people have wondered whether one of the reasons why the government's looked a bit flat-footed on this whole issue of uh, indefinite detention and the High Court uh, decision on that a couple of weeks ago is because she was without a her permanent secretary, if you like, that um, that she was without the normal person who'd be running the organisation. But given that there've been a lot of controversies within home affairs, which people are now looking at anew, uh, given uh, Mr Pizzullo's departure, I don't know whether that's the case or not. Let's follow the money. Uh, Pizzullo was on about a million a year, just a, a whisker under. He was stood down on full pay. Do you reckon they'll pay his contract out? Well, Philip, it's interesting that they they rushed through some measures um, at the end of last week to make sure that essentially they wouldn't have to pay him out. Um, so it, uh, there wasn't just a measure directed at Mike Pizzullo. It was a, it was a change in in the rules governing public servants so that you don't have to pay them out for their full contract if you sack them in some circumstances. Okay, Claire O'Neill also in the hot spot, as you were reminding us over the uh, released to detainees and uh, they're urgently trying to sort of push legislation through Parliament. Some say this is being done rather too hastily. Uh, I think a lot of people think it is being done uh, too hastily, Philip, given that uh, this goes to people's fairly fundamental rights, whether you think, you know, whether you think or know that the people involved um, may be some really terrible people, um, when you're talking about really sort of significant deprivations of liberty, um, you'd, you'd want these things to be very well considered, especially since the scope and a range of people who are being uh, pulled into this net keeps widening out. We're up to um, about 141 people now, and it includes people who are just waiting for a determination on their status. Now, um, it's very hard not to see what the government's doing as sort of continually um, up, upping the ante on the nature of the um, responses to this. Today, there was a new round of uh, legal changes which basically criminalised, if that's word, if that's the way of putting the word, um, a whole range of things like if some of these people uh, who are in, in the frame turn up near a school or try to contact their victims and things, that becomes a criminal offence. Now, um, you can probably justify those uh, in the cool light of day, but none of this is happening in the cool light of day. And each time the government has responded um, to... It looked like they've been trying to appease the opposition who's taking this very, very hard line on this and basically saying all of these people should be back in the slammer. And, of course, the High Court said they can't be in the slammer now. The latest round of leg legislation today, the, the uh, opposition actually voted against it, even though they're measures that you would expect Peter Dutton to support, saying that it's all a bit of a patch-up and they're essentially saying they've got to find a way of putting these people be back behind bars. So the High Court will release its reasons for the decision on indefinite detention tomorrow. Now, mm. the Greens and Labor have done a deal on the Murray-Darling Basin Plan. Is this a big win for our Environment Minister? Look, I think it's a big win uh, for the Environment Minister and you'd sort of hope a big win for the environment, uh, Philip. Um, essentially... Uh, for some months now, we've known that 
the Murray-Darling, the current plan is about to run out. It hasn't uh, delivered the water that it was supposed to. Labor argues that the previous government had a whole range of slightly dodgy uh, water retrieval um, projects which didn't actually retrieve any water and certainly the um, water that was supposed to be gained for the environment hadn't been gained. Uh, it was all looking pretty um, pretty bad, um, but uh, Tanya Plibersek has managed to get the agreement of the Greens um, to uh, back a new plan uh, which extends the life of the plan uh, but also... Um, looks to get that 450 gigalitres, uh, sorry, up to 750 gigalitres of water uh, bought back um, by 2027 from willing sellers um, for the environment. Now, that's something that hasn't been achieved until now. It's interesting that the deal includes $100 million allocated to help First Nations people to participate in the water market. Uh, that's right, uh, Philip, uh, and uh, in, a lot of Indigenous people along the river have sort of said that their rights and access to water have n- never been recognised in the scheme. So that's sort of a, an, a, another interesting new concession in this deal. Uh, and, I mean, it's still they've still got to get a couple of uh, crossbench senators to support it, uh, <coughs> excuse me, before it gets p- through Parliament, and the farmers are still not happy uh, Victoria's not happy and the Coalition isn't happy because they're saying that they're not taking into account community interests and the fact that communities along the river have to be looked after in any of these deals. I was listening to uh, RN Breakfast this morning and those community groups along the river are apoplectic. Now, finally, Laura, in the Senate this very afternoon, Labor managed to get its gas code of conduct through despite pushback from... Yes, the Greens. Yes, uh, this was uh, this was a bit of an, uh, an interesting one too, Philip. Um, this is once again this was a deal that uh, was announced some months ago. So we get this sort of rush of either legislation or, in this case, regulation through. Uh, this is basically a deal done with a couple of the big uh, gas exporters to guarantee access to uh, gas for the domestic market because there are some really huge shortages coming up. It all looked pretty good. And then the Greens uh, announced uh, late yesterday that they wouldn't be supporting this measure. Uh, There was some suggestion that the Coalition would also uh, block it. Um, And as it turned out, the Coalition didn't block it. So there was a lot of noise. Uh, The government sort of was being uh, cross with the Greens about this, even though they were being nice about the Murray-Darling. And uh, the measure has gone through and the gas supply is confirmed. We've been looking at a very beautiful portrait of Laura Tingle, Chief Political Correspondent 730. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.